0: and welcome to Too Many Movies, the podcast where we discuss DVDs, Blu-rays, and even the occasional VHS tape. I'm your host, Hal, and with me here today Josh. Introduce
1: yourself. Hello. (laughs) Hello. I'm the guy who three years ago made the the helicopter (laughs) meme. The the beauty and the beast helicopter meme. And I'm going to talk about Clue and Whisper
0: of the Heart. Holy shit beast, that's a helicopter. A
1: helicopter Yep, yep, yep.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Could you? I mean, we'll get to Whisper of the Heart in a second. Could you just explain to the audience what you did with Holy Shit Beast as a helicopter? How that came to What
1: have I done? What Uh, have you done? See, I don't understand. See, even though I made it, I I don't understand why. (laughs) Like, I just made random edits back then that didn't make sense, and I posted it in a random server. And then my friends discovered it and posted it in your sort of lower doing a watch party. Well, And it just spiraled from there.
0: Yeah, no, you know what? I think it is because I just thought it was the funniest thing in the world. I don't know. something. <laughs> we were watching Enchanted Christmas and Chaos yeah. was just like, hey, did we ever tell you about Holy Shit Beast? That's a helicopter. And he sent me this image and it's a helicopter in the corner of of the the very famous da- ballroom dance scene in Beauty and the Beast. Yep, yep. I don't know. I, the stars crossed at the right time. I guess my neurons in, my, in the comedy side of my brain just lit off. Something about seeing a realistic helicopter PNG in the cartoony Beauty and the Beast just... <laughs> It really just got to me at that very moment. And See, I... It was
1: funny for me. Yeah. Um, it was funny for me because the day before was when they discovered it
0: in that old server.
1: So I, so I was like, oh, God, they discovered my old memes. That I don't like anymore. And then the next morning I woke up and the, your, your entire server was themed around it. Yeah. And I was just like, what happened? What happened while <laughs> I was asleep? Like... And then I had to like explain myself and that I made it technically. Yeah. <laughs> it was a funny thing to wake up.
0: Yeah. Well... You're more than just the holy shit beast. That's a helicopter guy. You know what? You've mm-hmm. had your fifteen minutes of fame. <laughs> but let's talk about other things you're passionate about that isn't Beauty yeah, and the Beast yeah. or helicopter themed. Let's talk yeah. about one of your favorite movies. You have told me.
1: About. Yeah, yeah. Pick this specifically for that. Uh, do you want to? Do you want to introduce Whisper of the Heart, or should I? Uh,
0: you it. you have claimed it as one of your favorites. Uh, please, yeah, you yeah. introduce it.
1: Okay, so I'll introduce my experience of it. So Whisper of the Heart. I watched about for the first time about three years ago now. Basically, before I even really got into movies and TV, I watched I did a Studio Ghibli marathon, mm-hmm. and this was the movie that like in that marathon by far stuck out the most to me. Like when I first watched this, I got really obsessed with it because of like how much I connected with all the manic stuff in it. Like pretty much, I would not be as into movies as I was without this movie. So, yeah, I think I've picked a good one to talk about, because I have I have had a lot of one to say about this for a while. Mm. So, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. No, this is, I'm, I'm probably in a similar boat with you with the whole Ghibli marathon. Like, obviously, <laughs> obviously when James was doing his Ghibli ranking, like, preparing for that, and then yeah. when he, he was just like, you know, like, every once in a while, he'd, like, vlog something and it would just catch my interest, because I'm just like, oh, he gave it that score. Um, yeah. Yeah, and this was definitely one of the standouts when he was locked
1: in. Yeah, He's, like, super passionate about it.
0: Yeah, exactly. So this was yeah. when I was like, hmm, it's really that good? And then I watched it, and I'm like, okay, I, I see where he was coming from. It really this is, is quite
1: good.
0: It's yeah. a very unique Ghibli film, for sure.
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely. Because a lot of...
0: No, you got Okay, okay.
1: A lot of studio Ghibli films are like obviously fantasy stuff or having that like thematical stuff and that like mystical stuff. This only has the mystical stuff in like fictional sequences within the movie. So it still technically has it, but it, that is not the focus. The focus is just Shizuku and her writing and just the character stuff and the thematic stuff that comes with that. And that, yeah.
0: Yeah, very much so. Yeah. Not to say that like, you know, other Ghibli films haven't dabbled in the re- realism before. Oh, know? no, no. I would say only like yeah. uh especially takahada's films like *Great yeah, fireflies yeah. or like only yesterday even yeah, my yeah. neighbors are the yamadas like you know yeah, like yeah. those mm-hmm. are definitely films they're not but they're you know what they're not as popular as say like princess mononoke or yes, Away*. That,
1: that's what ghibli's known for literally their mascot yes. is Togaro.
0: yeah the miyazaki yeah. and like the ones that yeah. like kind of stand out that aren't miyazaki would be like kaguya which was Takahata. Um, But again, like those, again, that's still a fantasy driven story, you know, not to diss these movies. These are very much masterful works of art, like some of the best animated films of all time. But it is, I do like this movie, Whisper of the Heart, because it does have that Ghibli style. But you're right in that it's not as fantastical as like Spirited Away or Howl's Moving Castle. It is very much a movie grounded in reality. Um because it's about, you know, this little girl kind of just trying trying to find her creati- her creative voice in a sense. Um, and so and you and you know what? I think what works with Ghibli in those fantasy setting movies is that the characters are relatable. So then, yeah. even though the world is fantastical, the characters are grounded enough that we as an audience can relate to them. Whereas I See, feel this like... is a
1: very much like a very relatable movie. Yeah. <laughs> oh, very movie. much so. Yeah. Yes. Very, very. very.
0: You yeah. have the relatable protagonist in a relatable setting. Now, Definitely when yes. I say relatable, I use that term very loosely because. I don't often like praising a film for being relatable because a film can only be so relatable, you know. Because I feel mm-hmm. like I feel like we kind of, especially in recent years, we're, we're, we we kind of have this idea in our head that like all oh, films need to be relatable in order to be good. But it's just like I, I don't really know if I necessarily agree with that.
1: They don't have to be. See, that can be a movie. That like you think has problems, but since you relate to it, you like it more. Or there can be a movie that you think is really, really good, but since you don't personally connect with it, you don't like it perhaps as much as more people, even though you like, acknowledge that it, it's still good.
0: Yeah. So there's a very much
1: a barrier there. I
0: guess. Yeah, exactly. Like I, I don't know. Like whenever people are just like, "Oh, I wish this was me- more realistic in a movie," and it's just like, "No, you don't." Like, you, it like,
1: doesn't really make. Well, some movies are purposely not realistic.
0: That's, yeah, exactly. you know what? I, I, it, yeah. it's, just, it's just such a weird thing to want, and I feel like it's, yeah. it's because, now in all fairness, maybe it's because the fantastical stuff we've gotten has gotten so terrible that we're just like, please yeah. give us mm-hmm. something else. It's just like, okay, I yeah, guess... People, people of,
1: are getting sick of like, fantasy stuff because it's just become nonsense, Yeah, yeah. And so they're,
0: they're, they're trying to put the blame on something that isn't really to blame.
1: It's not the concept that's the problem, it's the execution.
0: Yes, oh, very much so. But anyway... Yeah, yeah. What I'm trying to say is that this is a very relatable film, even though the main yes. protagonist is this Japanese schoolgirl. I'm very much not a Japanese schoolgirl. Who, who oh, really? In yeah. <laughs> sorry, sorry to break the illusion there. <laughs> oh,
1: yeah, no I had no idea. But now see, that's the thing. This movie is like, obviously, I'm going to... Well, see, I first watched this when I was 15, so it's a sort of close age range when I first watched this. But still, this is very much a movie that I think anyone... Back to that reliable thing I think anyone could connect with because there's so much that this movie says thematically. Mm-hmm. And it gets all of it across really, really well. That's the main thing I love. There's not just one thematic thing it's going for. It's going for a lot and mm-hmm. it gets all across really, really well while like still keeping that stuff. It never gets too much.
0: Oh yeah, and, that's a huge thing, is like when a movie deals with too much thematically and then it just comes across as like messy and bloated and you're just like, yeah. oh, enough already. But no. This, this movie strikes that balance really, really it's, well.
1: It's so impressive. Like, they could, they could basically, well, the main thing is, you know, writing, having something you're passionate about and wanting to pursue that. And they do that so, so well. But it's not just that. They have the whole thing where she's worried about her future, first school. Mm-hmm. And then they also have, like, how art can connect with people at the end with her writing a story for the old man. And all of it they get across so, so well because there's multiple scenes that focus on each of it. And it's like stuff that inherently they like, can relate with each other like the whole, the future thing you can inherently relate to the whole passion thing because, oh, she wants to pursue her writing because that's what she wants to do with her future. She's feeling the fact that she doesn't think she's doing enough with something that she loves doing.
0: Yeah, and what's also good is that the movie doesn't really, like, villainize anybody with her no, whole no, no. pursuing, like, artistic her, her like, creative side rather than her educational side. Like, yes, she has hmm. like like, a bit of like, some arguments with her her older sister, her mother, and her father, but, like, Mm -hmm. nothing that, like, is forced, you know? It it seems very natural. Like, it seems very natural that her family would seem worried that she's not pursuing her education, but, like, they also understand why. And, like, I kind of like how, not to skip ahead, but, I I don't know, it's just something I really respect this movie for doing, in that, you know, Mm -hmm. the ending, she herself comes up with the idea that she wants to pursue education while still having that passion for writing. Yeah, that's you a know about right? she she comes mm-hmm. to the conclusion herself, which is a very mature yeah, conclusion yeah. to come to.
1: Yeah. And also okay, if we're gonna get more into like specifics, there's a lot of going to a specific scene. But I love that scene where she's talking to her parents and they're like, Juzuku, we are worried about or her dad's like, Juzuku, we're worried that you're not doing work in school, but if writing really matters to you and go ahead and do it but they still express like that worry and Shizuku acknowledges that oh she doesn't think that's what her parents actually want but even though they'd want her to pursue education mm. they realize their daughter's talent and passion for this and that's such such a good scene it's like Shizuku, for a lot of the first half of the movie is really like worried about sharing her with people you know she shares it with her best friend but during that scene where you see her share it with her other friends in the library and she's like visibly nerv- nervous nervous but then, when they actually like it, she comes out really happy and is like, Oh, I love being a writer. Yeah. And, ah, uh, get all of that passion comes across really, really well. Yeah. Just through, like, simple babies
0: I just love how this movie's paced. Like, I don't know. It's just, it's not paced in a traditional way where, like, you know, you have, like, the beginning, middle, and end. Like, it's very flowy. Like, it just kind like, of. Life. very yeah. slice of life. Very yeah. slice yeah. of life. Very slice of life.
1: It's a slice of, a of life
0: anime. It. Hey.
1: Definitely. Yeah. I love what about you yeah
0: yeah but i respect that because then it really leads you as an audience member to be like okay where is this going you know like you're not you 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 can't really predict where the story is going and i kind of and i like that i like when i'm able to just kind of experience it without being told like oh this is going to happen next this is going to happen next it's like no i like a little surprise
1: See, there's a lot of really good setup in that first half like mm. that bit where she first goes into the antique shop and she sees the baron there's a bit where the old man's like oh yeah i had this years ago with someone I used to know that's all for now but then they bring that back later and it's so good because it reveals that whole story of how there was a baroness with that woman that he met in germany and how they had the whole disconnect thing because they couldn't see each other again mm. and the way they link that into shizuki's writing her story and how he connects with in a story because he related to it that is such a good like thematic thing about how people can see themselves in art and how art can like help people with their own experiences if they relate to it and connect with it yeah so, so
0: good. absolutely yeah. yeah no this and is... they do like com- Yeah. no you go oh. ahead
1: okay thank you they do uh multiple things of that like they have at the start they have shizuku rewriting the lyrics of country roads to suit like how she's feeling about how she feels Like, her life's mundane or whatever. And then that comes back later on with the old man, like I said.
0: Yeah, no, I actually, yeah, we should mention Country Roads because it's, like, a huge part of this movie. Um, I mean, when I first watched this movie and it starts off with, like, Country Roads and then, like, (laughs) bring it back when they're starting to sing it, I'm like, oh. Oh, I'm going to get sick of this song by the end of this movie. (laughs) But no, (laughs) no, it... They use it
1: so well every time. It
0: uses a licensed song beautifully like I, yeah, love, I love i love the way this movie uses country roads it's it's yeah. brilliant
1: yeah. i love that opening scene where it's just country roads like it's a different version of country roads but it's playing it over just the sight of the city and Shizuki walking it's a really really good opening like it gives yeah. you pretty much everything you know what the movie is and the fact that it's a shot of the city i think is really good as well mm-hmm. because they have that bit where seji and shizuku are on the roof looking out of the city just talking about the direction their lives are going. Then you have the bit at the end where they're looking at the city where it's like, oh, this is where I come for inspiration. So that being the opening and the ending fits really well. It's like, it's playing, it's playing the song that helps Shizuku with her inspiration for writing over a shot of the city, which later in the film helps with her inspiration for writing. It really fits in the visuals. Yeah. it's really well done. I and,
0: and I like how, you know, the subplot with it is that she's using, she's like uh, translating it to Japanese. Um yeah. yeah. And so then you, you know you get like the various different lyrics that she's trying to like kind of translate to make it sound still good enough in Japanese yeah. like and, and she even says like you know I you know it's funny that we were that I was saying like you know when I say this movies relatable even though I'm not a Japanese schoolgirl she even says yeah. to her she even says like oh I've never been to you know West Virginia I don't know what a country yeah. road is yeah. I don't know what like a school- yeah small American town is like I'm only I only grew up in this uh urban Japanese city. Like I can only say what I know. And I think that I think that mm. really connects with the themes of the movie about like, you know, writing what you know, like and you mm. using what all the stuff around you to create your own art.
1: Yeah. And like it also does that really well with the Baron thing, how she just sees this cat figure only knowing oh the this old guy i'm talking to had it and has a past connection with it not knowing what that is but the fact that she sees it automatically i I love the scene where her and sedgy go into the antique shop and she's just looking at the baron like hmm what's your story what's your life like even though it's just a cat figure she just sees that cat figure and she's like i can write a story out of this and that's the whole inspiration for her writing the story and then, yeah, they, yeah. And like I said, the way they went back at the end is
0: so good. And what I also like about that scene is that's the scene where, like, Seiji and, uh Shizuku. Sorry, I, yeah. I'm always forgetting the, these characters' names. I'm so bad at this. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, mm-hmm. when they like when they're talking and like for the first time, like you know, throughout the first part of the movie, like they're kind of messing with each other. Like, oh yeah,
1: that's what's really funny. Yeah, yeah, it
0: leads to some really funny banter. But that yeah. that scene. Yeah is when Seiji's just like, All right, I'll take you seriously now and that's when he explains yeah. like the bear into her. It's like, okay, I like how yeah. like their relationship is starting to evolve from there.
1: Yeah, um, I love the first scene where they properly talk. Like it's uh, after a roadblock hits into where one of her friends like well one of her like someone in her class that she likes and that she doesn't like likes her, but when he should be liking her friend I like the whole stuff. It it's just with a mm-hmm. slice of life thing they just have like regular yeah. teenage stuff going it's, on. It's... And,
0: It's definitely done in a way where, like, kids would act that way.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's very realistic,
0: yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But no, I like that that leads to a roadblock for Shizuku. Like, she doesn't, she's just upset with her life at that point. She says she doesn't even enjoy writing anymore. But then as soon as Seji comes into her life, she gets her passion for it back because she links her writing stuff to his violin-making stuff, even though it's completely different, like, passions, because they're both so passionate about him, because they both have the same struggles of thinking they can't be good enough and what like wanting to do stuff with their future for it they connect with it so so much and that leads to the scene where they're in the basement of the antique shop and that you stop playing country roads and shizuku for the first time sings her version of the lyrics and god that scene a lot is so, oh, it's so such,
0: good. such a magical scene I... yeah i know
1: right yeah and then also the old man and his friend come in. And you, i love that scene like on its own it's really really nice like Shizuku's finally getting the lyrics that were set up in a previous scene how she's saying all that she's wanting to say through her passion for writing but then you can get that with the other characters like Seiji is passionate about his violin making and just before this you get a really nice bit if she's complimenting his violin skills mm. and then like the old man and his friends who are clearly passionate about their instruments come in they just all share this moment where they're all sharing their passions and it's so so nice and it fits with the scenes in the movie so so well
0: oh it's definitely uh, one of the best scenes in the movie for definitely sure. definitely yeah I also not- I want to I wanna bounce off of that scene, though, when talking about, because, like, a, it's a very important part of the movie for me that I feel like not many people have talked about. So, obviously, Country Roads is, like, the big music m- song mm-hmm. that, like, you know, comes from the movie. But I want to shout out the score in general, because I was oh, watching so it. Good, it was really good. Like, not just... Uh, yeah. Not just the country roads, but like, you know, the actual score, like during scenes when she's just walking through town and it's like this really whimsical soundtrack and it sounds really Mm. cool. And there's that one there's this one part where she's like where she it's like after their first interaction where like she doesn't know it's Seiji and she's like really frustrated by what he said to her and she's just like yeah. walks over to like the fridge and, start, and like gulps some like tea down okay like the music it's during that it's scene yeah. yeah that scene that the music during that scene is so unique and i kind of love it you know it
1: captures the tone of that scene as well where she's just really annoyed yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. but
0: that's the, but thing. No, the, the that's the thing the score in this movie is just so good like i looked up like do they sell CDs of this score? And I think, mm-hmm. like, there's some Japanese CDs, which I don't know if those would play in American CD players, but, like, oh, it's... Uh, if I could just find it on Spotify, I guess that would be good enough.
1: <laughs> no, I love the music, particularly during the ending scene. Like, the music during the scene where Shizuku gives a story to the old man is really, really nice. Mm-hmm. And then the music during the whole ending, bit, where they're riding the bike up the hill and going and see the, the shot of the city. It's so, so good. Like, it makes those scenes even more impactful yeah i love it and then okay i want to the scene right after they do the whole country roads thing with the violin in the basement i love that scene because it's just shizuku and seji for the first time like really talking about their passions and you see seji say oh well i'm passionate about violin making but my parents don't re- they want me to do my school thing which links to the shizuku not wanting to do school and wanting to do a writing thing but then that leads to like an internal thing with shizuku where she's like Hmm, Soji's pursuing what he's interested in, but I don't know what I want to do with my future. And that's a really relatable, again, insecurity, yeah. like, not having an idea of what you want to do in your future. And I love all the stuff of, like, Shizuki trying to fill that gap with her writing and her passions. And I, like, I, uh,
0: and I do like how this movie doesn't really end with, uh, like, an actual set-in-stone, like, decision that she's made. Well, obviously, because, no, like, it ends with her saying, like, you know, I'm still gonna pursue uh writing, but I will also you know study hard and actually keep going with school. Um, yeah, you know, but it, and it doesn't really end with that being like, oh, th- then that means everything's gonna work out for her, like, it just but, ends with her making that decision, which it again, ends with
1: her having a like learning, like she said in the end of the film. She tried her writing when she knows herself better now because she explored that passion. She understands what she wants and more things about herself. Right. And it just ends on that note. I love it.
0: Yeah. Well, it also it also ends in kind of a weird way where like Seiji's just like, "Oh, I love you. Let's get married." And <laughs> yeah. then It just kind of yeah. cuts to the credits. Yeah, but I find that. I, it is yeah. a very funny ending, but I feel like that's <laughs> intentional because yeah. because again, like you know these like again like it, it doesn't end concretely like it ends kind of just in the middle of something but again like yeah you know the movie's just about starting up your passion for your for creativity or whatnot like you know it's not really about telling you like oh it's all gonna work out in the end because well you don't know that but Mm. it doesn't hurt to try you know it doesn't hurt to start exactly
1: yeah, Shizuku's dad even says that when, during the scene where she's talking to him, he says, even if it doesn't work out, it's worth it trying, and if it fails, you're on the edge play. self Which sounds, like, harsh in that context. Also, it's basically just him saying, if you try hard enough, then you'll get something out of it. And she does, and she does yeah. get a lot out of it. Also, okay, a bit the bit after she talks to her parents I really like, because I think there's a neat show-don't-tell thing where her sister, who throughout most of the movie just kind of bugs her to do schoolwork and housework, during that scene, after she started being really passionate with her writing, her sister moves out of the house, and I see that as like the nagging voice that's telling she's to get on with her schoolwork and that she's not able to do stuff that she wants to leaving because her mm-hmm. sister leaves. She's constantly telling her that, so it's like I think it's metaphorical for the fact that that part of like what's telling her that has left. I think that it's a really neat thing that I've noticed.
0: No, yeah, I, I, mm-hmm. yeah, that's awesome that you pointed that out. It's yeah, yeah, actually really yeah. clever
1: there's a lot of really neat show don't tell stuff there's one bit and it's more like like what they point out bit in the ending where when Seji comes back which is already a really really whimsical moment but i love the part where they're riding up the hill and Seji's like oh i want to i want to carry you up with tell on my bike but then shizuki's like no i want to help you with that and it's like a metaphor for them helping each other out with stuff and and then like the, it's them helping each other out of their journey, and then when they get to the top of the hill, they look out on the city for their inspiration, which is like kind of a metaphor for the whole thing in the movie. Where since they've given each other that push, they both know themselves and their passions better now. Because without Shizuku, said you wouldn't said you wouldn't have had the whole thing where he expresses his passion for violin making, and without Steji, Shizuku wouldn't have had wouldn't have like explored her writing further at all. Because he's the one who gives her that boost. So they both really help each other out of that and that thing really captures that well all of it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I oh, there's just so much to this movie. Yeah. It's so good. It's, it it really yeah. is worth the hype. I'll say that. That's like on it's, it's one of those movies that you think like, Oh, is it really as good as people say it is? It's like, yeah, no, it actually is. Yeah. You know? Even if I don't relate to it as much as other people do, like I don't think it's a perfect film. I think what it, dissects and kind of does on a thematic level is enough for me to respect the hell out of it for you know actually doing so in a way that doesn't feel forced doesn't feel Mm -hmm. uh too melodramatic i feel like that's kind Mm -hmm. of Mm -hmm. one thing i would have hated if this movie was a lot it's very genuine oh so genuine
1: yeah yeah there's a like I said at the start of this, without this movie I wouldn't like have as much passion for movies and art in general as I do. Mm-hmm. And that's like largely because of how much I personally connect with just everything, as Nori says, about finding your passions. And another thing, another thing I haven't mentioned my real life really does like is, is that it points out the fact that just because you're not good at one thing doesn't mean you should put yourself down for that. There's a bit where Shizuku is talking to a her friend Yuko and she's like, I'm no good at I'm no good at school, I'm no good at blah, 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 certain other things. But then you correspond to that saying, well, there's some things that I'm not good at, but I think that you're good at. And it's basically just them saying to each other, well, we may not be good at some other things, but we have our own strengths, and we can admire that about other people, which is a large thing this movie does thematically. Because, okay, I've seen both the subbed and dubbed version of this several times. I really like both. Hmm. I think there's some lines that are better in each. But the dubbed version during the ending is a line that I really, really love where shizuku says to seji like after he says something like corny and sweet shizuku says to seji oh that was a bit corny but you're a violin maker not a writer basically saying oh well he has his, the things that he's good at but that doesn't mean that because he's not like as good at what i'm good at that's okay he has his own strengths he has his own passions he shouldn't have to worry about like the fact that he's not as good at stuff that um i'm good at and it's like it's a funny line as well like she just says something stupid and she calls him corny for it. For it, but I think the way it links to what this movie says thematically and that scene earlier is really,
0: really neat. No, that's really cool. No, I i yeah. feel like that is something I always bring up because you know, this is yeah. like what the fourth Ghibli film I've talked about on the podcast. Um, yeah, okay. you know, I feel like we always bring up like the whole sub versus dub thing with these movies, um, and trying to figure yeah. out because I'm very much a sub person, but yeah, most y- I am, yeah. yeah, but if the dub has you know something like that that really adds to the filmmaking like that's really cool
1: yeah the i think yeah like i said there's some scenes i've thrown the dub some scenes i've thrown the sub but ultimately i've watched both both versions like countless times like i'm used to both yeah
0: the whole film as an idea you're very much a fan of so it doesn't absolutely
1: yeah exactly exactly yeah and Ghibli dubs in general are just really good. Like some, even some popular anime have dubs I'm not a fan of. My, my literal favorite anime has a really bad dub, which I don't like at all. But most Ghibli dubs are really, really good. What's so your
0: favorite anime? I'm curious.
1: Oh, uh, Violet Evergarden, and the uh-huh. dub like completely misses the point of it. It's really <laughs> annoying. <laughs> yeah can I okay, can i briefly run about this as like oh, an example of please. that I here? please So okay the point of violet evergarden is that like from the start of it, she's someone who doesn't understand emotions and can't express emotions so naturally the dub version during the first half of the show uh is really really like she's expressing emotions still even though that misses the point and it frustrates me a lot so, you know i'm really appreciated of of dubs because of that because they actually get it across well still
0: yeah <laughs> yeah so, yes. sometimes it just doesn't so sometimes a dub is just not necessary like i yeah no, I, no. I mean i've mentioned this before but i'm really not a fan of the jojo dubs just because it's like the 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 point of jojo is that it's funny and so like whenever you that's hear like fun. the jojo english like I, that just adds to it and then mm-hmm. when like you know you have these dubbed moments where they also speak it in english but it's not as funny it's like
1: oh that's, that's okay i'm missing source. that yeah. See, there is one really funny anime novel Have you heard of—a uh, ghost stories.
0: Oh, I've heard of ghost stories. You've heard a ghost story, told oh, you. Yeah. I do need to check out ghost stories, but yeah, I know I, I exactly what it you're it talking looks about.
1: Looks really funny. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: So, well, is there anything else you have to say about Whisper of the Heart before I describe? Oh yeah, this probably. Delivery?
1: Uh yeah, I probably do. Uh, let me just check my notes. I haven't even checked my notes, yet, so okay. have this all my you, hand. Know,
0: you know what? Check check your notes. <laughs> it's quite, It's
1: funny. I had. I had, like, these notes prepared, and I just have it all on.
0: No, please, check your <laughs> notes, say what you want to say, and then let all me know right, once you've good. gone through all the notes, because then I want to tell you about this steelbook.
1: All right, cool. I have this movie on everywhere as well. Uh, it's not a steelbook, it's just uh yeah. But no, uh, I have, okay, I really like how they set up the thing with Seiji, because during the opening scene, you have, like, Kazuku checking out the books, and Seji's name comes up, and I think that's really nice. It's like showing they had that connection even before they knew each other, like they were reading the same books. And then later on, Seji reveals that he was doing that like on purpose to get her attention, and I find that really, really sweet. And uh, okay, this is one of my favorite scenes I didn't mention, but uh, this, the first scene in the antique shop where the old man shows Shizuku through the clock, and it's like the first time where she's able to find something in art, like that's about the artist's intention and what they were trying to convey, mm-hmm. like emotion-wise with that. Mm-hmm. Because you know, there's the whole thing with how in the clock it's meant to represent someone not being able to find their long-lost love. And first of all, that sets up the thing with the baron really well. But also, it just sets up the fact that oh, through art you can find personal meaning and what the artist is trying to convey through that, which I find really, really Uh I think most of this I've mentioned just to set up the whole thing with the bar, and I really like. Oh, okay. There's one line I like. Have I mentioned? Okay, one big thing I've mentioned is the whole thing with the old man talking about the gem and mm-hmm. how like polishing gems and finding gems within yourself. I really love that metaphor.
2: Yeah. For how
1: like if Shizuku searches looks inside herself, she can find gems, and then she's like, "Oh, what if I don't find anything?" And she's like, "I'm gonna try anyway." And, you know, that was the whole her learning from herself that but no, during that scene where the old man explains it, there's a line I wrote really like implies, oh, Shizuku's not the first person he's helped find their passion. You know, obviously he did that with Seji and you make a point of that. But there's a line that implies, oh, this old man's just, this antique shop is good at helping people find what they're passionate about. And I really, really like that. It's like the old man's character more interesting. Yeah. I really love his stuff with Daniel Paul. I love, okay, I just love Shizuku's original theme, and she thinks that it's terrible, but... As soon as she hears the fact that he really connected with it and really helped him, it just ends up being really good for both of them because they both got a lot out of that story. Yeah, it's one of those
0: moments that every creative person or anybody who's into creating something in general needs to understand: is that your first time creating something is going to suck. Like it's going to just be awful, terrible. Like everybody, go to the first video I ever uploaded on this channel. (laughs) Mm-hmm. like it sucks you know and you look yeah. at the early youtube poops i used to make they suck but like look at where i am now the bo- yeah. the videos i make probably still suck but you know what like it, i'm i'm evolving you know it's all about see, at this point
1: how many episodes are too many movies all there? this Some is episode problem. 84 yeah see you're almost at 100 yeah, yeah. long way
0: yeah long way <laughs> yeah yeah,
1: yeah. 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 Oh, oh wait no you could have oh, if this was if you did this an episode after it, it could have closed like 85 1985 you're close <laughs>
0: 1985 the year of back to the future <laughs> yeah know,
1: christopher Lloyd was in two movies that right year
0: that's right oh yeah, yeah. well and no, yeah not, not yet minion not yet <laughs> <laughs> yeah not yet,
1: minion, not yet i think okay i think I'm, i'll try and think through. but i'm pretty sure there about that, so that was. But, I mean, well you- i mentioned like
0: Here's the thing: is like this is was only my second time watching Whisper of the Heart. I know I I didn't write I like I was telling you like I try to take notes. I took like very (laughs) basic notes that have kind of already gone over. Like again, the music (laughs) and the whole like relatable aspect and how like the movie how like it kind of flows very nicely. It's not like a a traditional three act structure. Like I wrote those down, but I feel like there is a lot more to discuss that like I just I couldn't even like begin to comprehend just because there's so much to this movie but yeah i am glad that i'm able to i feel like watching it a second time helped me to guarantee that this is a very special movie that i'll definitely revisit like a million times from now
1: on i I have revisited it like a million times on letterboxd i have like six vlogs of it (laughs) in 2021 in 2021 when i first watched it i watched it like a million times I i definitely would have more if i had letterboxd back then but yeah, no. Like I said, I personally connected with this like a shit ton when I first watched it, and I still do. Yeah. Like across the years that I've watched it, I've connected with different parts of it. Like the whole self-confidence and what you do thing, the whole finding of strengths, the whole thinking about what we want to do for the future. All of it, I think, is just very, very easy to connect with, and that's why that's another reason I find the thing with the personally connecting with art thing I do at the end. Because when I first watched that, I'm like, shit, I'm having that experience watching this movie, and that's that's so really, so really cool hmm one thing okay I
0: want... no you go, go ahead
1: i'm not going on i've, I've got okay. like one brief well i did either. have
0: one thing i wanted to mention and that is the fact that this movie is about like you know the creative process and about storytelling in general and i feel like movies that i've watched that kind of tackle the very idea of storytelling have kind of fallen flat like i thought of do you remember the movie three thousand years of longing
1: I've heard of it. I, I know that okay. it's by the Mad Max director, right?
0: Yeah, George Miller. Yeah, it has Tilda Swinton yeah. and Indra Selva. Yeah, okay. I couldn't connect with that movie because I felt like yeah. it was trying way too hard to tackle so many things. Like I, like yeah. you know how we said early on, like how this movie tackles so many things, but like it doesn't feel bloated. Three thousand years of longing that felt bloated. Ah. Like it felt ah. like it was like it was like talking about like oh the very idea of storytelling and passing down from generations to generations, and it's just like, I I don't care. Like, who cares, man? Like, you're just... Yeah,
1: that that sounds a bit pretentious.
0: (laughs) Oh, so pretentious. You're, like, Uh, boasting this grand scale, like, oh, tearing, breaking down the very essence of storytelling, and it's just like... See, that,
1: that is not what Whisper the High is. This no. is very down-to-earth no. no, yeah,
0: This yeah. is, is 3,000 Years of Longing, but good. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if this has made me want to watch 3,000 Years of Longing to compare. You I know. mean, it's not the worst that, thing I ever saw, but, yeah. uh, you know, mm-hmm. it's just not great.
1: See, I don't, there's not many movies, I think, that like tackle that idea of, like, actually having the greatest and art. Weirdly, there is an episode of Violet Evergarden, like I mentioned earlier, that does that, but it's a lot more depressing now. But that reminds me of Whisper of the High. But, uh, yeah, no, I just love everything this movie says thematically and how charming it is and how good the music is and how good the animation is. I don't know how, why I didn't mention that. I mean,
0: a it's book. a Ghibli film. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The animation is very good. Yeah. But Even no, the it's, bad it's, it's, Ghibli films have good animation. Well, I say that. Yeah. Like, earwig exists. But yeah, Other yeah, than yeah, Earwig.
1: earwig but- <laughs> Tales of Earthsea looks good. I like the visually. Look of Tales of Earthsea. That's about the only yeah. thing I
0: like about Tales of Earthsea.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. But no, this, like, it's not like the same as like a lot of given the movies obviously the others are fancy. This like movie star I think fits the Gan's worth setting really well. And whenever they do have a fantasy scene, they up the animation thing. Like the scenes like of the actual story part of like the actual Baron look really, really good. Yeah. The dream she has with the gem looks really, really good, really, really. The backstory for the old man where it's like silhouette looks really cool. Anytime they do like something with it, it's not just the real life thing. it looks really good. Yeah. And it already looks really good. There's just a lot of nice scenes, I guess, like, just outside of the moon. <laughs> it's like, oh, the bit where she's chasing the cat to the antiques is really nice. It just yeah. shows, like, how, like, she can get sucked into anything she finds whimsical.
0: I do like yeah. that the cat has multiple names. Like, they call the yeah. Moon, but then, like, they, like, yeah. walk... By, she, like, walks by her friend's house, and, like, the moon's there. Like, like the, the cat yeah. is there, and they're calling yeah. her something completely different, and she's like, oh, yeah. okay. <laughs>
1: I like the bit where she, like, vents to the cat, like, she's sitting next to the cat, and she's just like, oh, I'm sad, I I don't like writing anymore, and the
0: cat's just like, okay. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Such a cat's behavior.
1: But no, I think that's it. Uh, Thank you for letting me talk about this. That was really good to get all that out. Dude,
0: I'm glad I was able to let you vomit out everything that you had to say about this movie. I've
1: wanted to for three years at this point. Yeah.
0: No, but you (laughs) know what? Let me tell you about this steel book I have uh Mm -hmm. it's it's you know like ghibli does those like uh steelbook uh like g kids Mm -hmm. releases these this the steelbook and it's Mm -hmm. it's pretty cool the movie looks great uh blu-ray quality um i think the steelbook itself is nice purple it has uh Mm -hmm. seiji and shizuku like on the bicycle like as Uh. as as a cover
1: that's a, that's a nice poster. Yeah. I don't like the. I'm not a big fan of the default letter book. Like, I don't have Patreon, so I just have to have the default one. It looks nice, I just don't think it fits the movie. Like, the movie's not about that fancy stuff. It's about the it down to earth. Y- you know, it's interesting yeah. that
0: you bring that up. I was thinking the exact same thing. Like, when I finished yeah, it, watching the movie, I was like, you know, it is a bit uh, kind of, uh, I guess, clickbait. Like, misleading. I read right yeah. the right word, but yeah. like, but you get what I'm saying. Like, you know, the fact that it shows, like, her in her, like, flowy red dress, and, you know, you have the Baron, the cat character, it very much looks like it's trying to cash in on, like, Kiki's delivery service to kind of, like to trick the audience mm. into being like oh watch this yeah. movie it's just like kiki's delivery service it's well like... see
1: this movie is kind of like kiki's delivery service and the thematic stuff of like finding what we are passionate about but also it's not a fancy movie so right. i don't know why it's, tra- I just... it's
0: trying to grab us with that like fantastical element but yeah it's just, like, which is what... fair enough
1: that's what ghibli was known for yeah Whereas, but, like
0: you know how are you gonna like market like a, a f- like a grounded uh coming of age story and i mean only
1: story. yesterday came out four years earlier but yeah <laughs>
0: So I guess yeah. I can kind of understand where they are going from. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Yeah. I I think it's cool, but I don't think it reflects the movie that
1: definitely. Much not. Much I really much. like the the poster of just them on the bike, and then the one that's uh, hanging in the window. Those ones look really cool. Oh, and the one of her uh, running down the stairs.
0: Yeah, yeah that's a great thing. I, cha- just I just changed because to... I do have a patron. I changed mine to when they're like, okay. just walking at night. Um... Oh,
1: interestingly enough, that one is my phone back down at the moment. So look at that yeah
0: yeah so well uh to you know wrap it around to the point of the podcast uh since i have it on blu-ray i'm keeping it um oh yeah this is a nice steel book i think it looks great it's it's and it's a movie i love so dearly that it's it's being kept in the collection for sure oh yeah um but you said you have it on blu-ray
1: i do i do I'm, uh i haven't i didn't use that for my last show, and i watched it on netflix but uh i have used it it's neat
0: but uh, I'm, go- I'm going to assume you're going to keep it
1: definitely obviously yeah
0: yeah
1: <laughs> it was one of the first like blu-rays i bought or dvd i mostly have dvds it's weirdly one of the only things i have on a blu-ray and it was one of the first ones i bought
0: so mm-hmm.
1: i bought it alongside aquaman
0: <laughs> <laughs> two very similar movies aquaman and very Whisper very yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. great Um, but yeah I guess do we want to move on to the next movie
1: yeah I'm ready to move on to Clue all right yeah
0: I I guess you have a clue to talk about Clue
1: Uh, (laughs) yeah uh weirdly I wrote I think more nights of Clue but I think Whisper of the High just had less because all of that I've had in my head like I've seen that movie like 12 or 13 times Clue I've only seen twice but uh, I do have a look as well
0: I have very to very say about Clue. Uh, just cause yeah. this is a movie I d- I watched as a kid, and while it's not one I've watched a million times, it's one I really want to now because yeah, oh my god, this was great! Like it, it's it's yeah, one of those so like good. '80s movies where I'm just like, oh, so good. Mm.
2: Um,
0: but yeah, so Clue. Uh, well, let's get this out of the way. It's a movie based on a board game which yeah. you'd think would be the worst thing ever because you know knowing the, in our world now how like we have these we have like a billion movies based off of previous established ips or toys or stuff like that you know it's it's interesting that like a lot of people point to like the lego movie for starting the trend of like movies based on toys but good when like
1: clue was the first. yeah clue yeah. did
0: like 30 years before. You know? See, I guess you just
1: don't think of Clue as that, because it's very, apart from them showing the cards in the credits, you don't really think of it as that. I
0: yeah, because
1: it, it's... How, many, it's how okay. many other movies can you think of that are based on board games? Oh. Like, there's a, there's a Battleship movie, as we are. <laughs> the Battleship have you, movie? Have you,
0: yeah. I've I don't know if there's any more. I guess, yeah, no, I, you know what, I guess it's because even though it's based off the game, it's more so about the story within the game rather than the actual game itself like you know because again yeah you don't see the cards until the credits um where yeah so i guess that's a good point we it's not like overtly trying to be about the game it's trying to be about the story of the game. Yeah. Um, I looked
1: up board game movies on Letterboxd, and it said I got movies that have board games based <laughs> on So I guess it's just Clue and Battleship.
0: Okay. Clue and Battleship. Real titans in the subgenre of board game movies. And apparently,
1: okay, I guess Jumanji. Jumanji. London, well, G- that's movies.
0: about a. But yeah, but the movie was made for to be about this yeah. fantastical board game. Yeah. Although I think it's there a, is a Candyland movie. You I'm know. There's, uh, I was just talking oh, about this cause like, you know, I grew up, I was just talking about this right. an episode ago when I was talking about those Charlie Brown DVDs, how like they're like Paramount slash Nickelodeon DVDs. And they used to play like the same commercials over and over again. And there was like the Charlotte's web two commercial. And I distinctly remember there being this commercial for a movie about the candy, about Candyland. The board game. I can't. I
1: can't find this. I, you might be having a Mandela. Effect well, there. well, that's hold the on. me look up again. There's
0: definitely a commercial advertising a Candyland movie. It doesn't show any footage from the movie. It's just being like, join this adventure with all these characters, and the one character I remember being being named is Grandma Nut. Uh, the only
1: thing I can find is a 2022 horror film called Candyland. That's definitely not
0: it. Uh, you know, I what? don't think this is it. Yet. Well, I think the thing is, because there was no footage of the actual movie, they were just advertising that they were going to make it, and then they never made it. And so oh, then... I'm just here to be like... I'm just here rambling on about this movie that doesn't exist, and so people don't believe me when I say that there was once a Candyland movie.
1: Do you need to, like, you know the Disney Vault thing where people, like, release it from the Vault? Do you need need to do that with the the Candyland movie?
0: I mean, they had to have made something, man. They can't just, you know, send out these DVDs with, like, the Candyland movie trailer when they don't have anything. They gotta have something in the Vault. Have you heard of
1: uh, Shazam? The the movie starring Sinbad about a genie that people claim to remember. I, I've,
0: I've heard of that Mandela effect. Yeah, no. That's... Yeah,
1: that's all. What there's Yeah. But then people just say, "Oh, they're remembering Kazam," which is a movie like this. Yeah, that's. Yeah. the I guess. guess Candyland is the next one.
0: Yeah, exactly. But anyway, Clue, Clue. a movie that yeah. does exist. I know because I'm holding whoa, the Blu-ray whoa. for it right here. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> so. What I like about this Blu-ray is that it gives the option at the menu for the theatrical cut where it plays one of the endings at random, but then it also gives the option for the home version where it plays all three endings. Now, because I didn't grow up in the 80s, um, I only know about this movie through the home video version where, like, it plays all three endings at the end. But, yeah, when this movie was first released in theaters, they did that thing where, like, you know, like third of a third of people got like one of the endings a third of people got the other ending and then the third of i
1: didn't know it. that that's really cool oh yeah
0: which is <laughs> yeah. really interesting because then when people but, are just like oh can you believe that ending and they'd be like oh that's not what i saw Yeah,
1: just imagining people in 1985. people were like oh can you believe that mr green was a cop and they're like what yeah i thought that i thought that miss miss scarlet was the killer but yeah. no that's quite funny to imagine actually
0: well it's interesting because we because re- recently you know how like across the spider verse came out and they were just they were like advertising how it's just like oh we have different versions of the movie in different theaters oh yeah and they did that with was way home as well yeah. yeah but no they did it with across the spider verse and everyone was just like why are you doing this this is stupid because yeah, it was like little things, things they were changing and it's just like yeah, yeah and then like the home video version doesn't have these little changes it just has one version no. they don't even have these no. little versions as like bonus features so it's like i don't hey,
1: even know i don't even know what like Yeah, like...
0: it was like little details that just change and it's just like okay this is pointless <clears throat> like again no. at least with clue like yeah you had these different endings and these different versions of the movie but then on the home video version you got all three you got the option to yeah. see all three just to I... and that was this and that was kind of the point you know how like it ends with, with it being like oh that could like have been the actual never... ending but here's what yeah. but here's what could have happened or what here's what yeah. actually happened like that which
1: one's clever. your favorite at the ending
0: oh the actual like, ending like the actual yeah hell, yeah the actual that the actual tim curry wasn't wadsworth the whole time and mr green was actually yeah. badass like that's yeah, my that's absolute awesome. favorite
1: i love just the ending line is so so funny like you can interpret it in multiple ways like either he was lying or either he's the only one who gets to keep his secret that's yeah. a big thing yeah, well, I also like the idea that Mr. Green is the one that comes out on top because, like, everyone else there is a horrible person. Like, they—they yeah. like people who exploited things in war, people who—the woman who killed her husband or multiple of her husbands—and then he was just—he was just gay. Yeah. That was his only thing that he was hiding. So yeah. he's like the only one who hasn't actually done anything wrong. So he gets to like arrest the rest of them and go go live as well. Yeah. Like, Mr. yeah really Mr.
0: Green was movie. always one of my favorite characters in this movie. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. I love all these characters because the uh, acting yeah, this so movie is so good. So, yeah. I I want to say the very first time I ever watched this movie was uh, I, I would have been like uh, 11, 12, 13, something like that. It was so mm. I vacation in Cape Cod, which is that little arm thing. Are you familiar with the state of Massachusetts even though you're British? Uh,
1: Unfortunately not. Yeah.
0: Well, if you look up the state of Massachusetts and you'll see it's like this weird rectangle with like an arm sticking out of it.
1: Oh Oh. I know that the Sonic movie takes place in
0: Wait, the Sonic movie takes place in Massachusetts?
1: I think no, wait no, it takes place in Manhattan, never mind. (laughs) I get the MA (laughs) states mixed (laughs) in.
0: No, yeah. Manhattan, Massachusetts are very different places. But anyway, yeah. Massachusetts, there's, like, this little arm thing on the cor- uh, like the side of it. And that arm thing is called Cape Cod. Um. Okay. Anyway, I go on vacation there a lot. And okay. there's this house we would rent. And they had, like, a bunch of movies. And one of those movies was Clue. And I remember putting oh. it on one night and just being like, wow, this is really good. And I think mm-hmm. this movie was my introduction to Tim Curry. To, like, you know... Okay like where i actually understood that it was tim curry and i was like who is this guy uh um, he's really really good he's so good
1: like yeah he's
0: so he's good.
1: probably like out of all the performances he's probably my favorite he just hasn't really like he's the only one who seems in control of it which you know makes sense with the the actual ending part mm-hmm. but uh Like, I just love how he plans this whole thing, like, okay, we're going to do this, we're going to, and as more and more people, like, show up to the house and they have to kill them all. One of my favorite scenes is where the guy who just wants to use the phone shows up, Mm. and he seems, like, panicked internally, and he's like, wait, a body? What body? No no one brought up a body, but he just mentioned the fact that there's a dead body, and no one, no one comes to it. Yeah. It's really, really funny. That's one of the main things. This is just a really, really funny movie.
0: It's a really well written movie. Like that's the thing, yeah, is like the, well. the jokes are so well written. Like, I have
1: most of my lists are just jokes that I really like.
0: Yeah. Like that's uh, oh, there's that scene where like uh Yvette is like screaming in a room and they go like, It must be the murderer, and Mr. Green goes, Why would he scream? <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh this uh, no, I really One of my favorite parts is just that whole introduction where they establish everyone's like potential motivation for killing Mr. Body. Yeah, they have like really funny dialogues. Like, I like when he um he's interrogating Miss White, and then they mention the fact that her first husband disappeared, and she goes, "Well, yeah, he was an illusionist. He He wasn't a very good one.
0: He wasn't a very good one. Completely
1: disappeared because he was an illusionist. Yeah." And I like the bit where they explain how she killed her other husband, and they're like, "Oh, he? She chopped his dick off." And then the men like put their legs over their crotches. <laughs> <was terrible>.
0: Yeah, one <laughs> one of my favorite lines. I had to write this down. Was when uh, Colonel Mustard is like, uh, he says something, and he goes like, "You can't make an omelet without breaking a few eggs." Oh yeah, I have that written that. down. And then Miss Well, then, look what happened to the cook. Yeah, Miss Peacock's like, "Well, look what happened to the cook." <laughs>
1: Miss, Miss Peacock's really funny whenever she just yells. I like the bit when they think she's poisoned and I'm like, well, we'll know she's poisoned if she dies and yeah. she's like she just looks like she's completely in fear, because they're gonna let her die to figure out if it's poisonous. Yeah.
0: Exactly. <laughs> oh. Yeah. I j- the cast in this movie is just so good. Like I yeah. like they they're, they're not, not only are there actors who I love just because I love them in other things. Again, like Tim Curry, Christopher Lloyd, uh <laughs> Michael McKean, but like the fact that, like, these other actors are just so well cast, uh, I I just got to shout, shout them all out. So, yeah, we obviously said Tim Curry as Wadsworth. Really? Eileen Brennan as Mrs. Peacock. Uh, I guess I haven't seen her in anything else other than Clue. Uh, Madeline mm-hmm. Kahn, I want to shout out, who's been in other movies I've talked about on the podcast. Uh, Young Frankenstein, Blazing Saddles. Mm-hmm. Really such a good comedic actress she's yeah, like definitely. one of the funniest actresses i've ever seen in any movie and she's so mm-hmm. good as mrs white uh, yeah, Christopher Lloyd she's probably,
1: the, she's probably the character I find funniest just the fact that she's like meant to be a complete psychopath, but she she's like the most quiet one, she's like silently yeah. like yeah, I, I might have killed my husband Yeah, I might have killed multiple of them
0: yeah, she's not like <laughs> Miss Scarlet or Mrs. Peacock, where like, you know th- those two are like very like outgoing very loud yeah, characters very loud. whereas like, yeah, she's like a little more timid a little more quiet, but you, she's just as dangerous but she's just yeah. as funny, oh my god yeah, Madeline Kahn yeah such a funny actress
1: christopher um, lloyd in this i think is really good as well because initially since you know I just imagine him as Doc brown yeah. and when i first saw this i didn't realize it was him but then i saw his name in the credits i'm like oh shit well Doc so, brown. when
0: i watched this movie i had uh you know back to the future in mind because mm-hmm. i I grew up with that movie i freaking loved it mm-hmm. but like yeah mm-hmm. you think christopher lloyd you think like this crazy old guy but then you see Quite him; long he's, long. he's like this normal looking professor dude and I'm just like, yeah. huh. But again, that just, that, that's just that—that's really more of a testament to how good the makeup in Back to the yeah, Future definitely. was, and just how good yeah. of a performer he is, where he can pretend. Yeah, to be he, a the fact that man. like
1: these were released in the same year and it's like completely different characters. So, yeah. um, Such a good I love Christopher. Love. Yeah, I really like the bit in this where uh, Miss Scarlet is explaining like what her business is vaguely, and then him and Colonel Mustard just go up and try and get service, and they're like, while well, they're being called out for this blackmail stuff, they're still doing sketchy stuff. Yeah. It's yeah
0: amazing. you run a you run a sex business in washington yeah. what's the number
1: <laughs> it's like oh i'm gonna report you yeah but he's he, not his intention. Yeah. yeah colonel mustard Martin C- Cole,
0: uh who's also a really good comedic actor uh i yeah. guess i haven't seen him in much of other oh he was in jingle all the way how about that
1: oh mm-hmm. i
0: didn't i didn't remember that um and Liz... he gets one
1: of the funniest bits with uh of a what's what where he's like trying to ask is there anyone else in this house and he says no and he's like do you mean no as in yes and then they just have a whole argument about that and <laughs> yeah, then they like, pile on more questions on top of that
0: yeah exactly oh it's, it's so, so
1: good
0: funny. so good uh but yeah
1: Wadsworth gets a lot of the funniest things though. i love the bit where the cop goes into the room where the bodies are and like they did a bit where they're pretending to make out of the bodies, yeah. but Wadsworth doesn't know that, so he just assumes that he saw the bodies, yeah. and then the, the cop is like, well, it's a free country, you can do that, and he's like, I didn't know it was that free.
0: <laughs> I didn't know it was that
1: free. <laughs> thinks that the cop is okay with murder. Yeah,
0: oh, it's just, again, yeah. like, it. there's so, so many good jokes in this movie. It's so well-written. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I think yeah, that's yeah. a testament to the fact that it was co-written by John Landis, uh, who's oh. like, yeah, who most people probably know him as like, you know, an American werewolf in London director. He directed the blues brothers movie, uh, which is okay. one of my all time favorite films. Like, okay. yeah, the dude's been around. Uh, he also uh, kind of killed somebody in his own movie. <laughs> oh oh boy. Did you ever hear about the twilight zone, uh, fiasco with him? Oh, oh that. Yeah. I'm yeah. That. We're like, <laughs> yeah, well, so we didn't he didn't directly you. kill anybody, but due to. uh, very poor safety procedures you know a couple people did actually die during like a helicopter explosion and oh, yeah it was it was pretty nasty and he never faced um, any charges for it
1: um
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, but um, you know what he was still a good writer and he wrote clue how about that
1: yeah yeah. <laughs> but yeah no this is like you said such a funny movie but also it's also so good in just how they set up I love yeah. the opening scene and how it's, like, somewhat airy, but there's still, like, comedic bits in it. Like, you know, they're introducing all of these sketchy people, and it's like, oh, something's about to go down. You know, they turn off the lights, and Mr. Body gets shot. And, oh, the sound design in that bit is really good, but they have a gunshot, they have a scream. You can't work out what happened, but then you replay it knowing the endings, and it makes sense. Yes. So yeah, that's yeah. the thing
0: with this. It's a murder mystery, and so, like, you as an audience member are f- trying to figure it out, as are the characters. And I feel like yeah. when it comes to murder mysteries, I feel like you know you. The way this movie kind of tells it, it does kind of subvert your expectations a little because by the end, it's revealed that like kind of all of the characters had a play had a play in like killing somebody throughout this movie. Yeah. Um, That's
1: why I like that ending so much because yeah. it's like oh, everyone had a motivation to kill everyone. You know it? There's six murders, yeah. which I think okay, I think I love the way they pile on top of the murders. Like before, it's just oh no mr body died and then the cook dies and it's like oh well no one else is gonna die but no like sit, like kill like six people i love the part where just a random telegram woman shows up and she gets shot as well um, like before she can even do anything telegram.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah
1: <laughs> Shot. Yeah. the thing's really well shot too where they have the cut to darkness and just you see everyone's eyes yeah. it's really good look
0: yeah no and i think that's a testament to how well written this movie is the fact that like it's a murder mystery. That still subverts your expectations. I feel like a lot of people would probably point to this movie when like, you know, thinking of like, uh, uh inspirations for stuff like knives out. But like, I feel yeah. like mm-hmm. this movie's a lot better than something like knives out because I feel yeah. like knives out kind of loses. It's it kind of like, I, I've rewatched the first knives out a couple of times and I still like it, but it definitely loses its punch and, after every time I've seen it, where it was trying. Yeah, to I, don't know.
1: Knives, I don't know. People really like Knives Out, but the thing is, like, it's a movie that like you can sort of see, seems cool, but then when you think about it, a lot of stuff doesn't add up. And that is not the case in Clue. When you think about Clue, it becomes cooler how it all. Oh is.
0: yeah, no, that that I was just yeah. gonna say, like, yeah, no, the, yeah. like Clue gets better every time I rewatch it. Like, definitely, it, it definitely. never loses its punch.
1: Yeah, I already, I already okay. Like, I've only seen this twice. I watched it once in 2022, but on rewatch, I liked it like. Even more, so just uh, well, it's benefit like it's a murder mystery, it benefits to rewatch because you have a different experience knowing what happened. And but uh, but, um, but yeah, on this, it became the favorite solution. It's such such a positive, i have just more like a lot, like I said, a lot of my notes are just really funny jokes. I love the bit in the the introduction bit where they do the whole double negative thing where they're like accusing each other and they're trying to say that what they've done is a double negative and positive, it's a bit rather funny, yeah. I like the bit where one guy just shouts at the general master I think shouts out if I was a killer I'd kill you first. And since they're dealing with a murder situation, it's like the worst time to say that, but they will just stare at him. Oh uh, uh,
0: I gotta I gotta <laughs> say one of my favorite lines, like I quote this all the time and it's uh the scene where like uh <laughs> where they first mention the whole like monkey brains uh <laughs> like they met like Tim Curry's like talking about like the monkey brains recipe that Mrs. Peacock is familiar with.
1: That was one of my favorite foods. And
0: and Mr. Green goes, is that what we ate? (laughs) You don't understand how often I quote that. I think that is one of the funniest lines uttered in any movie.
1: Yeah, I like Mr. Green in general is just really funny because, like I said, every other character's like done awful stuff and they have the logic and all that. Yeah. But then Mr. Green's just this guy who's like, if you go with the undercover cop ending, it's even funnier yeah. because he's like completely innocent in all these situations. Also, it's funny to think about that um that sixth ending because Mr. Green was an undercover cop who let five people die, like, for <laughs> um, a minute.
0: I mean he didn't he didn't know what was happening but you know what I still think it works because it was yeah. just such a it, it, it just, it because it, like the whole movie, he's like this dweeb, you know, like even yeah. in like one of the alternate endings where they're just like, oh, it looks like we got our man and he goes, Mrs. Peacock was a man. Mrs. Peacock
1: <laughs> was a man. I have that written
0: down. Me. <laughs> it's a funny line, but he's such a dweeb and you're just like, oh, yeah. what, a, what a freaking loser. So then at the very yeah. end, like the actual ending where he's like revealed to be this like competent, like in charge, mm-hmm. like undercover cop, you're just like, oh, this guy's cool. And then he ends with the, yeah. end, with the ending stinger. Like, I'm going to go
1: home and sleep
0: yeah exactly i like that you can
1: interpret that in multiple ways like you can interpret that as oh he lied about being gay so he would have a secret to be here or he actually is and he's the one who gets to keep it secret and everyone else doesn't because they actually did bad stuff yeah you can interpret that in two ways and it's really really
0: you know what i never thought of it that way i thought he was just like he was just lying to them when he said he was gay but you know what the fact that he can still keep it a secret like yeah
1: i kind of like that about because like He's the one. He he at all of them, and he gets to just go on with his life. All of them go to jail. Yeah, that's another neat way of having that.
0: that, I think that's a really good good way of interpreting that line. Yeah, yeah. You know what? That's just a really good ending. That's the brilliance of this movie. You can interpret it any way you want, and you still get a. That's why it has multiple endings.
1: Yeah, Yeah. I I really like the first ending where Yvette just takes control. They do the whole thing. Well, whoever has the gun is the killer, and then she pulls out the gun and they do that with the Mrs. People ending. Um. I mean, I like the bit where they're debating how many bullets are in the gun, and they just confuse each other, and then he just shoots the gun anyway.
0: Yeah, it does lead to a very funny. uh It leads to a very funny like screenshot where, like, you know, the chandelier falls behind uh Colonel Mustard, and yes. he's just like, scared okay, like just standing there. Yeah, yeah. yeah I like the
1: bit like... where the cop the cop shows up, and they're like, a chandelier fell, and that's why they're all stressed out. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh,
0: I <sighs> mean, there's just. I think basically all I can really say is like, it's just a really well-written mystery and it's just really funny. Like, Mm -hmm. and again, the fact that it's based off of a board game, like you'd think objectively that would be the dumbest thing in the world. Cause like who wants to watch a movie about a fucking board game, but the point of the board game is like figuring out a mystery. And so, you know, that can lead to multiple possibilities with a movie and so I feel yes. like the filmmakers really took advantage of the limitless possibilities of the board game and actually translated it super well onto the big screen.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I don't I don't even like I've never played Clue the Board Games. This is technically my introduction to it. But I, yeah, it's I, just cool that like they made such a good movie with like a relatively like stupid idea behind it. Like yeah, like you said, basing a movie on a board game seems ridiculous, but nah, no, they, they do it really well. And I like the nods they have.
0: I think I tried I think I tried playing the board game as a kid and I was so bored out of my mm. mind I'm just like, well this isn't as good as the movie.
1: I'm so... pretty sure I don't know 100% but I'm pretty sure in Britain Clue is called Cluedo. Uh, so it's like confusing about. It's one of the things they change the titles for different countries like Sorcerer's Stone, Blotts, Stone. Yeah, yeah. But,
0: but why Cluedo? Uh,
1: Cluedo. Let me look, hold on. this might be a different thing. I mean, Cluedo sounds more like a game including. Right. Um, No, it's called Cluedo. It's called Cluedo in the UK.
0: Why? You guys have the word clue over there, right?
1: Yeah. (laughs) But every time there's a clue, we say Cluedo.
0: Okay. No, we don't. (laughs) Cluedo, I guess. Cluedo. Cluedo. I guess guess it's uh, backed by Homer Simpson. (laughs) Cluedo! Yeah. (laughs) But anyway, yeah, no, I just, I, I think it's a very good film, and I'm glad I was able to rewatch it for this episode, so thank you for that. Um, mm-hmm. Is there anything else we have to say about it before I get into this um,
1: to Talk more about Wadsworth. Okay, I mean, just yeah, to... just a little more about yeah. Wadsworth, sure. he's a really interesting, like, it's really interesting, oh, we didn't, we didn't, never think about like one of the best scenes where he re reenacts the entire movie yeah we're, like well, he, that's he, they go the around
0: third act is him like just reenacting cool. the whole movie and they're just running around I, the house like oh it's such
1: a fun portion that all like that, that like, they all just go along with it like sure we're going to reenact the entire mystery thing they all still get scared of what could happen because like yeah. he's turning off the light he's pulling out murder weapons well, he... and, yeah i like the ending that he's, he's the body he's the... like the whole thing is... he's one black man with each other so it's a funny reveal that the guy who's been with them the whole time was actually the one blackmailing. And he was just trying to get rid of all of these people that they make ties with. That's really neat. They have like these random people show up and in that third ending they have all of the ties of like, oh, this person was blackmailing this person, this person was involved with them. And it all fits together, so they have one like person murder each for motivation.
0: Yeah. It's
1: really neat.
0: It's a spider yeah. web of lies and it all comes across. Yeah,
1: exactly. Down. Exactly. Yeah. Uh yeah, I think that's it. I think that's
0: it. Yeah, probably no,
1: my favorite. My favorite murder mystery. Even though I've only seen like two or three, but yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. But again, like there's just so much to it. We couldn't possibly explain everything. But I feel like that yeah, just I mean, that just makes me more excited to rewatch the film. You know, because like probably. it's just that good.
1: You know, you notice more about it. We're on, right? only seen it once. Like, yeah, so it it, it's it's
0: it's gotten better with age. Like I liked it as a kid. I yeah. love it even more now as an adult.
1: I love it. It could maybe it'll go up to five stars in that third year. Maybe yeah. it's a nine for me right now. It's,
0: yeah, it's a nine for me as well. But it could go up. Yeah. It could go up. It could. But I will say with this Clue Blu-ray, um, I think I'm gonna get rid of this specific Blu-ray because. Mm-hmm. So as I've mentioned before, I hate Blu-rays that have like the recycling logo etched out in the case. So that oh. the case is like a lot flimsier. Ah. uh, it's just so lame. But. Mm. I did also find a Shout Factory 4K for this movie, and the okay. cover looks really cool. And I'm a big fan of Shout Factory, so I might upgrade to that. Um,
1: so but, you're just going to replace it then? Yeah,
0: yeah I like, think I'm going to replace yeah. it. But you know what? Regardless yeah. of whatever version I have, Clue, the actual mm. movie, belongs in the collection. So Nice, nice. I yeah. could
1: definitely get a physical copy of this eventually. It yeah. Would be cool to have cool to have because the ending's amazing.
0: Yeah, the important yeah. thing is the movie itself will be in the collection for sure, no matter what version oh, yeah. I have. Yeah,
1: such a good movie.
0: So good, so good. Yeah. Um. Well, Josh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I guess this is the part mm-hmm. of the show where you shout out your stuff, dude. Where can people find? You? Oh yeah, I guess. Uh, I have a lot
1: of books. just called Bazinga, and then uh, Serialised, which is what I do most of my stuff on. Because most of what I watch is TV now. Uh, yeah, that's about it. Um, I don't know what Yeah,
0: I'll put all your links in the description below for sure. Right.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Yeah.
0: Well, mm-hmm. uh, thank you, dude, for coming on the show today to talk about Whisper no Hard and Clue. Yeah,
1: thank you for having me. Yeah. This was really, really fun to talk about both things. Yeah,
0: yeah. So, and thank you, the listener, for yeah. listening to today's podcast. If you want to support yeah. the show, give a like, give a comment, uh, listen to us on Spotify. Or Apple Podcasts, or on YouTube—that's fine too. Doesn't matter. But yeah, thanks for watching. And uh, uh, I've been really sick recently, but I still came through to talk about these two movies. Um, you did it, really cool. I did you do did it. it. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't want to end the podcast like that. Hold on a second. But yeah, anyway, thanks for watching. And always remember, communism was just a red herring. <laughs> no, I think I can come up with a better ending. Anyway. But yeah, thanks for watching, and always remember I'm going to go home and sleep with my wife
2: was to show you